Breathwork goes in and says to the body, I'm taking over. I'm going to separate you from your thoughts. I'm going to calm you down and slow everything down. Because for most people, they're not even conscious of how stressed they're thinking and feeling. And it's always happening in the body. And nobody is talking about breathwork for pregnancy because breathwork is the fastest way to calm your system down. Before we jump into this episode, I'd love to invite you to join this candid spiritual community to hear more conversations that will help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. All I want you to do is click on that subscribe button because I love your support. I love seeing all the comments pouring through, all the love pouring through, and we're just getting started. I can't wait to go on this journey with you, whether you're a spiritual seeker or you're just curious about the topic. And we really hope that our conversations will provide you food for thought and inspiration for your own spiritual journey. So join us for honest, candid discussions about spirituality for soul's sake. We have today an incredible person, someone who I think you're going to really love. Carolyn Cowan is a London-based psychosexual, I want to even know what that is, and relationship therapist with a diverse background. And today, she's here to talk about her book, Breathing for Pregnancy. Carolyn, thanks for coming. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you very much for having me, Radhika. It's a great honor. Tell us more about the book. What's this about? Well, that's an interesting question. So I'm a I'm a psychotherapist, I'm a breathwork teacher and a yoga teacher, amongst other things. And one of my specializations over 20 years ago was pregnancy. I trained pregnancy yoga teachers. I ran pregnancy yoga teachings. Um, I was a doula. I was all sorts of things at that point. I had two children at that point, And um, I knew a lot about pregnancy. And then what I noticed in the build-up to COVID and during COVID was that it was really not a kind time for women to have children. Definitely. And... I thought, I'd like to write. And actually, I know a lot about pregnancy. I know a lot about stress because that's my specialization. I specialize in addiction, trauma, anxiety, all of that kind of stuff. So it would be a good way to funnel something useful if I was going to have a legacy, perhaps. And mm. it was the interest, It was I actually followed on from a conversation with my psychotherapeutic supervisor kind of saying, what are you going to do for a legacy? And I thought, well... I know a lot, I can offer something. And nobody is talking about breathwork for pregnancy because mm. breathwork is the fastest way to calm your system down. Probably others, other than singing, chanting, yeah, maybe, mantra. Yeah. But with breathwork, you can take over your system very, very fast. Mm. And to say very, very fast feels like an oxymoron to being calm, but you can calm, you can calm yourself down. And... I noticed over the I years. I know she did of, that even just now, just with breathing. Yeah, and I Incredible. noticed over the years of COVID that the stress that the press were putting on pregnant women was getting more and more and more intolerable. And then I, as a psychotherapist, was working with pre and postnatal experiences that were actually quite shocking for people. And I just thought I need I need to do this. And luckily, Random House were amazing and said yes. So I know I've written something unique because there is nothing about breathwork for pregnancy. And then I'm also a psychotherapist. So the book has an underlying um, conversation and tools about working with anxiety and then mm. using breathwork and stretching. For context, I went through this um, because my wife was pregnant with our eldest 
during the height of COVID. Right. And um, I guess that's why I'm like super, super interested in this conversation immediately. She had the birth of our child went really, really peacefully. Everything was wonderful. Everything that was in a birth plan took place. And uh, as soon as the child was born, I had about half an hour with her and then immediately had to leave and she was on her own. Wow. And uh, so I was panicking, thinking, well, yeah, fine. I appreciate the chanting works, but it may not be so good right now because mm. she, what she needs is something different, emotional mm. support, etc. Mm. And so maybe you can give us a little context about what what happened that you know you mentioned that you you saw what happened in covid with with pregnant women for people that are watching hearing that don't really have a clue what went on during that time give us a little background yeah i mean i'd like to go out of my way not to be triggering as such but women were given birth were giving birth alone with just one midwife both were they and the midwife were masked they couldn't have their partners in the room right. there were no maternal home visits there was no access to any kind of uh, clinics properly so I worked a lot with with women who were extraordinarily isolated. It, I mean, it, to a point where there are quite high rates of postnatal depression. and Even now? Well, there are high rates of postnatal depression, regardless of COVID. But in COVID, that became much worse because one of the markers, as as with what I do, is if, if somebody goes into labor and has the child, if they disappear off the radar, it's highly likely that they're depressed. Wow. So it, it, in all the years of working with this stuff, I knew what to look for. And of course, there was no oversight from the National Health. There was no oversight from the support system postnatally to take care of these women who were actually bringing up kids, very small babies, in a really terrifying time and couldn't go to the parks, couldn't go to the NCT, couldn't meet up with people and create community. So it was extraordinarily isolating. And that was very, very early on. I mean, the book, interestingly, took me nine months to write, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I started it two years ago. Oh. So it was it was a kind of culmination of seeing things and just thinking it's it's such an interesting it's such an interesting, let's say, client group, because I don't know if you know this, but 82 percent of women have children. What? 82% of women. And actually, last Globally. year it was 81%. This year, it's eight, the latest figures, 82% of women have children. And yet, it's such a marginalized group in terms of care and That's in terms so of expectations and in terms of support, and but also in terms of being seen. So I know I've got other books in me, but I felt that I had something to offer. And Definitely. breathwork and stretching are life-changing. I mean, really life-changing. Thank you so much for sharing that. In terms of breathwork now, because yeah. we went went down the pregnancy route in the context of the book that way, breathwork, that kind of connotates that you have some sort of spiritual background as well, that you have some sort of, I don't know, a connection to the greater divinity, etc. But maybe you don't. And I I'm, do, I do. Okay, okay. I got that right. Um, but tell us a little bit about your interest and your fascination around breathwork, because you mentioned that it's the fastest way to calm down. And Maybe, I mean, you can maybe even share with me an exercise. We can do a little something to calm me down. But yeah, tell me a little bit about your experience with breathwork. Um, where to start? I guess um, perhaps where to start is I'm an ex-drug addict and alcoholic. Oh. And I'm actually 32 years sober and clean. So long time living in my brain <laughs> without any assistance from mood-altering substances. <laughs> and 
Actually, funnily enough, we were talking um, in the cafe earlier about, um, we were talking about the Hare Krishnas, actually. And at the time when I, just before I got sober, one of my closest friends became a Hare Krishna devotee as a woman. And she started to introduce me to meditation. So she was a very close friend. She became a Hare Krishna. I used to go and talk to her. She was fascinating to talk to. She taught me an enormous amount at the time. But she really was keen on meditation. And I found, even though I had the Tulsi beads and I had the mantra and the Bhagavad Gita and all of the things, I found my mind was going so fast. And at that point, that point in the kind of search, early recovery was something I found very difficult. I got 12, sober in 12-step recovery, which I'm not in now because I actually disagree with the disease model. But that's another conversation. But I'm um, fascinated, man. We could go down this whole conversation. Yeah, so I don't <laughs> agree with the disease model. And as a psychotherapist, I don't work with the disease. I mean, I'll, work, I'll support people with the disease model, but I don't agree with it as a principle. Context disease model? The disease model says that if you're an addict, you're sick. You have a disease. And I work with the principle um, that if you are anxious, compulsive, or addictive in any version or form. So in essence, any most of the disorders, if you will, um, you have probably highly likely got a history of shame, abuse, and trauma. And that not being able to regulate or manage emotion is the trigger for acting in or out. Does that make sense? Totally makes yeah. sense. So I, I was in early recovery, and I knew I needed to do something. I was at the time a runner, not, not like a not like I'm running for my for the, for the country or anything like Hobby. that, but it was just I ran. I was yeah, a runner. Sunday runner. Yeah, but but I actually met a yoga teacher in India, funnily enough, in Gujarat. I was traveling in Gujarat. I was photographing nomads at the time, like you do. I know. Wandering around with a house of blood. And, t and I had film from Ilford and I was chasing, I was not chasing nomads in a negative way, but I was doing portraits of nomads yeah. in the 90s. And I was in the middle of nowhere, hadn't seen a white person for something like, a month, sitting in a truck waiting to go and camp in a nomadic group of people with charpoys and everything. And these, this couple got into the truck. It's just like, where did you come from? Because I'd been traveling with these people with nobody. Most people had never seen a white person. And there I was with my white hair, which because I went white very young, was really shocking. But I was taking photographs with a Hasselblad, and a Hasselblad's a kind of camera that you don't hold it up and look at someone. You look down, and so I've got very intimate portraits because there isn't really a, the same engagement with looking down to take a picture. You can look and talk, and so I've got beautiful portraits. So I was doing that. And the person that got into the truck, she was a yoga teacher. So we, we didn't draw breath for six hours, came back, went back to London, rang her up and said, come and teach a class in my house. I lived in Camberwell. She came and started teaching classes. I can't tell you how much I hated it at the <laughs> beginning. I really hated it. I was angry. I was difficult. But gradually, bit by bit, the yoga and the breath work really started to change me. And the thing that really attached me was that the breath work stopped my mind. And that was the thing that really fascinated me. I, I now train people to teach breath work. And I don't just teach one type of breath. I teach a huge range of breath. And I run weekly breath work classes every morning on a Monday. Every Monday morning at 6 a.m. I have a whole load of people who join me on Zoom. We do breath work together. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I mean, I know a lot about the breath. I'm interested in all kinds of breath from the, I don't know if you know much about breath, but you have pranayama but you have a lot one this side and you have an enormous amount. So the breath range is extraordinary. And then in having been a pregnancy yoga teacher, 
there was always this dictate that no, 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 you can't do breath work with a pregnancy. And it's just like, why not? Why not? Why not? Exactly. I mean, they're breathing and they right. can breathe more slowly. So then I, I did. From a medical perspective, people worried or what was No, it, it was just this, these sort of weird cults of thought, you know, that you can have in religious or particularly around pranayama. So I just thought, no, I can. Okay. And so I did. Yeah. And so then eventually it's just like, well, I know so many breaths and it would be easy just to change this or that. And so we have, I think there's something like 35 different breaths in the book. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so each... I mean, I'm not a pregnant woman. I don't look like one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should I still use the book? Oh, if you want to play with breathwork, use the book. I'll gift you my breathwork classes. Come to class. It's lovely. Ooh. It's such a unique thing because there's something so intimate about breathwork. I yeah. mean, I have people, you know, everybody comes. We open Zoom at six o'clock. I teach four breaths in half an hour. And there's virtually no speaking. And the, there's just this extraordinary silence of breathing together. Wow, you've got illustrations in there. Illustrations and everything. Wow, 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 wow. This could be a great stocking pillar. It could be a great stocking filler. And it also has really good stretches because if you, I don't know if you know much about the breath, but but you might not know, quite, I mean, maybe you don't know what the body does. Being a trauma therapist, you have your mind, yes? So you have mind. Some people call it the mind, but it also, it's also mind, which is what tortures us. I'm interested in the, you know, the idea that hell is your resistance. You know, the hell that you create inside yourself is everything that you resist, you hate, you dislike, you're offended by. So in essence, you create your own hell by your mind. Mm. But your mind, which you think is all in your head, is actually hugely in your physicality. So what, what you think, you think an anxious thought, your body will respond. Where the mind goes, the body flows. Well, it, that, it doesn't flow, which is what it depends. If the mind went lovely, then the body will go lovely inside. But if the mind goes anxious, Both the ways. body responds. Um, you, we can play a game. Do you want to just do let's something Let's really play a game. Quick? I'm yeah, just, I, can I touch this? Of course you can. So if you just sit up. Okay. And I don't mind you slouching back afterwards. Okay. okay. I'm going to do something which you might object to, but just try it and okay. just notice. So if, if I just put your fists like this and just say, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. Can you notice? You tighten your... Tighten. You pulled your pelvic floor. Right. Your breathing went faster. Yep. Just that moment of saying that, you changed the whole of the hormonal flow in mm. your body. Your heart rate sped up. Can you notice your heart's beating faster? Yep. Because your what you said and thought made your body change. So if you're living in your brain with anxious thoughts, which a lot of people are at the moment, we have these two very interesting things. We have a negativity bias and a threat bias, which have been weaponized by our phones, by social media, by Acidly. violent television. Propaganda. Huh? Propaganda too. Whatever, exactly. Mm. YouTube, all that stuff. Mm. Um, but what that does is it means most people are existing in their body in a state of fight or flight. So the whole body is actually what's called mobilized. So the pelvic floor is pulled, the heart's going faster, the lung capacity reduces. If people are stressed, they're breathing normally. Their normal breath rate is 16 times a minute. That's a stressed breath rate. That's not going for a run breath rate. That's just how fast they're breathing. What's a normal breath rate? Well, that might be normal for lots of people, very sadly. What's a relaxed... What's, <laughs> what is a rest and digest rest and or digest. homeostasis breath rate would be a good one is five seconds in, five seconds out. So the difference between 16 times a minute 
and five. Massive. So five seconds in, five seconds out means you're breathing three times a minute. Right. So three or six times a minute. Can't do the maths as we speak. Six times a minute. So you slow the breath down. You use so breath work. Breath work goes in and says to the body, "I'm taking over. Mm. I'm going to separate you from your thoughts. I'm going to calm you down, and slow everything down." Because for most people, they're not even conscious of how stressed they're thinking and feeling, and it's always happening in the body. So the system in the body is very clever. It's the vagus nerve, the fascia, the hormones, the major muscles, and the amygdala in the brain. So breathing, conscious breathing, goes in and takes that over. With some breaths, very fast breaths, take it over, and then with other breaths, very slow breaths,、mm. take it over. Or some breaths where you. You break the breath and you force the diaphragm into your bidding because the diaphragm is smooth muscle. Most of the time, it is behaving without how, without you thinking about it. But you can learn to control the diaphragm. Yeah, I mean, I feel really mesmerized by how much you know about the topic and how thorough you are with your explanation. So much so that I want to. I'm not a pregnant woman, but I, could could we do a breathwork together? Could you do something? Maybe if you are pregnant, this could be really useful for you. Yeah, of course we can.、Yeah. Can we? But then, can we do something before we do the breath? Yes. Could we stretch? A stretch. So, if you notice, can you notice perhaps that thing of <clears throat> let's fight? Can you notice any repercussions from that? Just that my mind is super active right now. Okay. But okay. apart from that, the body is quite relaxed and tense. I mean, not tense. It's present. Present. Okay. Well, let's just see. So, I'm going to show you a stretch, which I'll invite you to copy. Okay.、And、maybe if people watching could do the same. And then I'm going to ask you to just notice what happens, because by doing this stretch, the invitation is that you go into the five aspects of your stress system and you say to them, "It's okay. It's okay. Calm down. I've、right. got this." You, you, the adult, take over the stress system, and you say, "No, I'm okay." So then, what happens if you stretch first? It's way easier. Really? To breathe more consciously. So if we stretch, can we do that? Yeah. So again, I have to invite you to sit up. And I'm just going to push this a little bit away from me. So, because we can't, because it's not a dining chair. Ideally, you'd be doing this on a dining chair, but that's、yeah. okay. It's a lovely chair. Should I take my shoes off? Is the no, shoes I off? No, I took mine off because I was hot. Okay, I'm、can. gonna take mine off because it feels right. Okay. So, what I'm going <clears> to <throat> ask you to do is to put your hands on your knees. Okay. So knees apart, which is good. So whoever's watching, please have a go because this has a really interesting effect. If you have a cushion behind you, take it away. You can give it back. I promise. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're going to breathe out and pull your shoulders forward and drop your chin. So you're stretching your spine. You push back. So push back and breathe out. And then, if you just watch me for a moment, so as you inhale, you push your chest forward. You open your tail. You roll your shoulders back. You raise your chin. Take a huge belly breath. I'm going to stick my tongue out as far as I can.、Uh And then, as I exhale, I'm going to straighten up. Boom. Boom. Dopamine rush. Dopamine is lovely. When you stretch the fascia, you release dopamine. Dopamine makes you feel like you're connected and you belong. So that's what we're going to do. All right, we're going to do it together. Yeah. So、All、you're going、right, to、cool. put your hands on your knees, and again, the viewers can <coughs> do the same. So. As you exhale, you push back and you pull your shoulders forward and you drop your head. You stretch your spine. You really curl up, and then 
pushing your chest forward. Keep your head down for a moment. Open your tail. Open your chest. Pull your shoulders back. Raise your chin. Take an enormous belly breath. You're going to hold the breath, but you're going to stick your tongue out as far as you can. And then you're going to exhale and gently come to straight and be still. See if you can close your eyes and boom, your body, all the hormonal flow has changed. The mind might be very still. There's no breath. There's just this very exquisite stillness, which I'm fascinated by. So just see if you can stay with that and notice no mind, no breath. You're the boss, so when you're ready to open your eyes. I'm with you. How was that? Really good. Did you feel... I mean, only when you said to me that there's no breath, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not breathing. Because your system, in that stretch, you've stretched the vagus nerve, the fascia, the major muscles. You've changed the hormonal flow and you've reset what's happening in your brain for as long as you can bear it. Mm. For most people, they'll immediately check their phone or something will happen and they'll go back into the stress system. But over time, you can learn to just, no, I'm fine, actually, I'll. Maybe somebody else will answer the door. <laughs> Amazon can wait. Amazon can wait. Can they? I've never noticed that. Okay, no, let's just leave the package outside. Let's do a breath. And let's do it. My favorite one. It's not my favorite. I love all of them. Every breath has a different personality. Well, you've already said it now. It's your favorite. No, but every breath. It depends. It's just the one today. It's the breath of the all day. Right, it's the breath today. of the day. Yeah. All right. When you get into breath work, every, every breath has a different personality. Every breath creates a different type of stillness. Okay. And with if there varieties of stillness. 400 breaths. Can you imagine how many types of stillness you could find? No. It's lovely. <laughs> so we'll do one, which is to manage the mind. But ideally, you can put your pillow back, but okay. don't slouch. Okay. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like your mother. But no, that's all right. <laughs> Sometimes needed to sit straight. Okay. So you're sitting up. Yep. We're, we're slightly misbehaving because our knees are higher than the top bridge of our pelvis. Oh. Ideally, they're lower. It's okay. Okay. I, otherwise, we'd have to sit up and forward. We won't have to do yeah, that. Yeah, for the purpose of the camera, please forgive us. Yeah. So, sit beautifully. Okay. And you can do what's called Gyan Mudra, which is lessons learned with great ease, or not. And so, the invitation here is that you want to inhale through very tight lips and release your belly. Okay. Which means that by releasing your belly, you push the diaphragm down, you massage the internal organs. And the dropping, the releasing of the diaphragm, it expands the lung capacity. So you're going to inhale through tight lips for five seconds, and then you're going to exhale through your nose. So the in-breath is very cool, and the exhale breath is like a cashmere blanket, warm cashmere blanket being wrapped around you. And then as you become more relaxed, you can extend this breath to 7, 10, 20 seconds. The inhale, you mean? Both. Both exhale and, okay. So they're to be the same length. So the art is to sit beautifully. Recognize breath work is sacred. You're getting in touch with this exquisite aspect of the self. So the five-second inhale, so again for the camera, it looks like this. So I would do it with my eyes closed. And then it's 
a totally, I'm not being silent, but it's a totally silent exhale. So you're, there's no ujjayi breathing. There's no oceanic breathing. You're breathing completely silently. So we just do, shall we just do, let's say do six. Okay. And just see how that feels. Okay. So you do like a Star Trek check-in now and say, how are you feeling? I could say I feel actually very relaxed with you. You're very easy to talk to. Oh, thanks. I'm trying. <laughs> um, how am I feeling? I'm feeling excited about what's to come. Okay. That's the truth. So I'll count six times. Okay. But we'll do... See so how... breathe in to any count. Ideally start with five. five. Into five holding at all. Hold for a second. Hold for a second. And then a beautiful silent. silent. Imagine the inhale is a cool stream of really beautiful silk. And the exhale is like a... Mr. Whippy, cashmere blanket being oh, wound Mr. Whippy. around you. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. So when when we've done six, I'll then invite you to stop. So you do it at your own pace. Two left. This is the last one coming now. And then, when you finish the last exhale, just allow yourself to be soft. And again, noticing that perhaps there's no breath. And the most important thing is that there's no mind. And for some, there may be mind, but it takes practice to get used to staying very gentle. And then a marvelous thing starts to happen over time, which is that you can get in touch with a very e extraordinary pulse in your body called the lumbar cerebral spinal fluid pulse. I didn't hear any of that. The lumbar, what? Cerebral spinal fluid pulse. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing, particularly relative to pregnancy. The first part of the fetus that forms is the spinal fluid, mm -hmm. which has its own pulse. It's a liquid that is not blood-colored. It's produced about, uh, I think it's between 127, 1,027 mil, 1,500 mil is produced by the body every day. 
It has its own pulse that it comes from the base of the pelvis. Oh my God, yeah. Up the spine yeah. to the brain and it washes the brain and then it comes down through the eustachian canal and clears down through the lymph and the armpits. I mean, I definitely felt something from the lower back rising into the heart, but then I just got this image of blue and maybe that was the washing, but I didn't feel anything down here. So, But one of the things that happens is you get more used to the stillness, you can actually tune into the spinal pulse. Whoa. which you don't have access to when you're stressed and your mind is busy. So it, it is actually something I talk about in the book, but it's something I teach all the time. As well. Have you done an audiobook version of this? Yes, and I got to read it myself, which was Whoa. lovely. I mean, I, I'd like to listen to that. Yeah. Am I allowed as a non-pregnant woman? Darling, you can do anything you oh, want. thanks. How was the breath? It was fantastic. Yeah? Really, really good. And were you peaceful and still? I mean, I've been through a lot of breathwork trainings i mean not trainings but a lot of people come on here and share a little breath work oh, i'm sorry, like it's okay. nice it's okay like but that was really special for me why why different because i think that you bring about i think it's two things one is that i i trust you and i feel like you know your stuff and that helps me to go i'm gonna buy in here and two because yeah maybe i felt like today's been really overwhelming i was like this could be a really nice moment of calm so right. both the environment but also the, i feel safe in your hands in one sense so, did you notice also that when I'm teaching, I use a slightly <clears throat> softer, gentler voice? Yep. Which helps you to relax. Yeah. And it releases serotonin. Yeah. Again. Well, how are you when my wife has given birth? <laughs> well, hopefully, when she must have had lovely people. She, she did. She did. She did. Neighbor. Yeah, she did. She yeah. did. We had a face. We knew the um, what are they called? The head pediatrician. Yeah. At the hospital it was a really good friend of ours, also a Christian devotee. So. Oh. Helped. How lovely. So we could play some nice sounds of Brindavan. I mean, like, I know what it's like having a, a plan, a birth plan, etc., and then praying and hoping it goes through. And it, when it did, it was just so magical because, you know, everything that we, we desired mm. managed to happen for the birth. And, yeah, the child is really, I feel, filled with that consciousness also. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Anything that you wished that the government did differently about pregnancy? Am I only allowed one thing? Oh, you're allowed many things. I wish... What would be that, like the root core of it? Where would you start? If you were in charge, if you're the health minister... Oh, God, I can't be the health minister. Here we minister. go. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not I'm a question I was you. expecting. I mean, I think that... I think that... Um, I think it's very sad, the condition that the NHS is in. I have no political opinion other than I think it's very sad. I think it's... Um, I think... What's kind of happened to pregnancy at the moment is it's been weaponized as a as a process, pregnancy and labor. And weaponized I think that, as a process. Well, the language of obstetric violence. This idea that it's obstetric violence. It there's there's it's something painful, it's, it's terrible. But it, but also that, you know, it's a cut above, a cut below. There's all this language around and actually the truth is that Intervention is life-changing. That's why it's there. It's life-saving. That's why it's there. And that's a contentious thing to say. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just read a very good book. I, I think it's actually a Random House book as well uh, called Matrescence. It's a really interesting book about. It's not for somebody who's pregnant to read. Don't read it if you're. Don't read it if you're pregnant. Do not read it if you're pregnant. Not not because it's bad, but it, you don't need to know the stuff that's in it until afterwards. Mm -hmm. But. Um, she she talks about pregnancy through lots of different lenses, specifically through her own journey. And she has some really interesting research about what happens to the pregnant woman's brain. Um, a lot of stuff around postnatal depression. But I think that 
the more that the press weaponize the technology of the life-saving process of labor, the more stressed women are going into labor, which then means that the more intervention is needed. Because, because it's its own Ouroboros, and Ouroboros is a snake that eats its own tail. Because actually to have a natural birth, you want to be able to trust the process. And if, if the press is weaponized and making everybody bad. And one of the interesting things about Matrescence and that she talks about is I come from the generation where home birth really, really, I had my children in the uh, late 90s and 2000s. Uh, I, was, I, I had several pregnancies before I had a successful birth, but my son was born in 98. My daughter was born in 2002. And my kids went to Steiner School. I was a kind of grown-up hippie in a way. But I was part of the natural birth movement. And I actually did have both my children at home. And I did long to, you know, I did all that stuff because you could. Mm. And it was, a, there was something very freeing and very liberating yeah. and very open, which we have the absolute converse now. And with all the politics around everything, whether it's COVID or or the kind of sense of offense about um, what's done to women. What's done to women, it's fine to write about it, but write about it and change it. Yeah. And I think that if I was having any say, it would be really absolute instant access to mental health care in the process of pregnancy, but also after. Some women sail through it like the most beautiful, magnificent ships, and other women don't. And there was a piece the other day about quite how many thousands of women just in the last year have been denied mental health referrals, not even the care, even just the referrals. And it makes pregnancy even more stressful than it already is for some people. And I find that not helpful. I wanted to write a kind book. That was my goal, was to write a kind yeah. book. And I think I did. Because it's... 82% of women at some point in that woman's life will be going through that process and they need um, they need some kindness. So that's what I wanted to do. Don't like the press? Write the press. Repeat? Don't like the press? Write the press. Well... You know, write what you want people to read if you don't like what I know, but it doesn't have an enormous amount of agency over uh, that. But yeah. 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 I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But we have to be contributors in some way, shape or form if we don't No, like I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. 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 How to find calm through the four trimesters. And beyond, yeah. And beyond. You know where it is. All the all the good places, Amazon. And all the good places. And if you like it, leave me a review. Leave I would a love review. that. I genuinely really appreciate this conversation because I feel like this could really help people. Now I've, you know, when people ask me mantras for pregnancy, yeah, I give them something, but it's kind of not tailored. I'd rather refer this breathing for pregnancy well, thank you. because it's researched. It feels like it's authorized, and I'm going to give it a read now. I'm going to see here's here's how I am with podcasts on books. If I've read the book, I'll tell you I've read the book. I've not yet read this, but trust me, it's on my reading list now. So thank you so much for gifting this to me. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Can we do some quick fire questions? Are you into? I'm into quick fire questions, right. but if I don't give the perfect answer, will you? Forgive oh, what's me? what's perfect anyway? I'm into. Let's let's see where we go. Question number one. One word, one sentence. I call it quick fire, but it's really medium fire. Because it's like, you know, it's okay. Maybe something needs a little bit more detail. Something that you're curious about right now in your life. That's an interesting question, and I don't know how personal I want to go. So let me see. Where shall I go? Something I'm interested right now in my life. I am actually mesmerized and fascinated by the lumbar cerebral spinal fluid. And mm. I'm absolutely fascinated by how 
much. The weaponized press, the phone, this idea that we should all be buying bitcoins and endlessly looking at violent television is so taking us so far away from our true exquisite nature that I'm I feel like I'm an emissary for presence, not Christmas presents, being <laughs> present. Yeah. And that I just want to be able to discover as much as I can about this amazing ability because for me that's the that's the essence of the internal divine. And so how can I play with that more and how can I pass that on not mine but how can I pass on an awareness of it. So that's wow. perhaps what I'm really interested in right now. Yes, it is. I like how you said weaponized press because I I often call like these devices weapons of mass distraction. Yeah, and I'm always mm. talking about licking your phone. You know that movement with your finger. Licking like your phone. Licking. Stop licking your phone. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I've got another thing to say to my kid now. All right, something that you're personally working through at the moment. Personally. Ah, personally working through. Well, I have to say, I have presented. I'm in the process of presenting two more book proposals to Random ah. House. So, but um, personally working through is is um, something I'm exploring, and I have been exploring for about four years, which is. Can I bear myself by myself for myself? Repeat that again. Can I bear myself by myself for myself? And it takes a while to get your head around the question that mm. I'm asking myself and have been asking myself for about four years. Is um, I suppose it's linked to psychotherapeutic thought around attachment, the need to be wanted, the need to be loved actually wanting to spend more time writing, which is isolating. I'm also a psychotherapist, which is isolating. I teach yoga and breathwork on Zoom, which is isolating in a way. And can I continue to really love and enjoy doing that without it wearing me down in any way? Can I spend more and more and more time reading and writing and going to the theater and having friends for supper and doing that kind of stuff? But can I just decide that yeah, I'm okay? Yeah, there's a different... I think it's almost glamorized to be around people constantly. But yeah. there's a beauty in solitude. Yes. There's a beauty in being able to go, I don't not necessarily need to be... And it's right now I'm experiencing that because things have really kind of shot up and, and in terms of the public perception of what I do and, and I'm being noticed and validated. Mm. It's incredible. It's almost like life-affirming. You feel, yes, I'm doing something that's purposeful for the world. And I'm now going away for a couple of weeks. In a couple of days, I'm flying off just to be by myself, nice. for myself. Can I bear myself, yeah. by myself, for myself? Yeah. yeah. And so solitude, I think, is a big part of creative flow that you. I, I, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot about what I want to project into the world next year right. just by being alone and not being surrounded by 10 million people. With constantly. all their questions. With all their yeah. questions, all their comments, all their theories, all their criticisms. Yeah. But and I think also we can fear solitude. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's been glamorized that you have to be... No, no, you're you're alone. Yeah. Not alone. No. There's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Mm. And I think that that... I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe we do another episode. Over to you. Oh, mind. let's do it. In short... What legacy would you like to leave behind in this world? In short, how short? I mean... <laughs> what legacy would I like to leave behind? I have children. Um, in terms of legacy, I suppose, I think that what I do in my work, which is 
I'm a psychotherapist in private practice. I teach breath work. I teach yoga. I'm, I, 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 I think what I do is a huge privilege. I love what I do. I love the client work that I do. I really find it extraordinary. And I think that um, over the years, particularly of being a trauma therapist and working with un the unhappiness, the anxiety, the pain of shame that a lot of people feel and the suffering that comes with anxiety, which is so easily dismissed and kind of battered away. I think I'd like to write more books that would somehow shine light and hope to be able to move away from pain of shame. Well, the pain of shame, and yet we live in such a time where the culture is so shaming and the, this divisive political polarization. And it doesn't matter whether it's the politics about vaccines or the politics about... Still you see, everyone's been invited to take a position. Everyone's right. Someone else is wrong. Everyone's offended. Yeah. Everyone's oppressed. And it's, it's so far from, from the stillness mm. that I'm fascinated by. But actually, that's always there underneath. And... I think the legacy that I would like to somehow leave is is at, that is to remember and to find access to that, to gift access, gift access to that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Please. Well, God, if you're listening, of course they're listening. Of course. Mm. Think of the Akashic records, everything you've ever said, my darling. I know. Or thought. They're always it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you here? Are you there? You're nearer than near. Inviting only four words as if he says, "Come dance with me." Nice. Something you feel that you used to deeply value, but don't value as much anymore. Living in London. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I used to love living in London. No, don't. And mind. I moved out ten years ago. Done with it. Well, I then I took a private practice in London, so I was commuting <laughs> uh, to London three days a week. And actually, again with COVID, I stopped, and so that led to that thing for the last four years where I now don't live in London. I work from home. Clients come, not always. And so my life has transformed. I'm a gardener. Oh. Um, I live in a village. It's... Makes sense. Just very, very different. It's where the, the great... I mean, I'm told that if you want to write, step away from the city. I know. I mean, I have dreams of going and living on the coast of Scotland or my children think I'm insane. But oh, okay. um, yeah, well, one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then just to take the next step further. One person's insanity is another person's normal. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And finally... If you could create one law that everyone had to follow, what would it be? Gosh, you have some interesting questions. I know. If I had to create They're one really law far, that everybody would... I would say... Yeah. Every morning, stretch the front and the back of your body and do five minutes of breath work. Step away, beautiful person. Give yourself and everyone around you a break. Give everyone around you a break. Step away, beautiful person. <laughs> Give yourself and everybody around you a break. It's like a mantra I have. If, I, if we all did that every day, just got on the floor, had a stretch, front of the body, back of the body, five minutes of breath work, the world would be a much kinder place. Mm. I'm a fan. It's interesting, right? Because like a lot of people, when I ask that question, they always say, be kind. Law would be be kind, be loving, be you know something that's in one sense. Uh, anyway, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but I'm always thinking, but how? That's how you would be kind. Mm. If you had one law, what would it be? I mean, Is it, are you always obvious. asked that? Yeah, I mean, I think for me it would be take a practice of chanting five minutes a day. Nice. 
because by connecting with that sound vibration, your consciousness is connecting with something greater than yourself and also revealing to you who you truly are. And in that identity of who you truly are and in that connection with something greater, magical things are possible. And That's so, this amazing quantum field of longing, which right. I'm a real fan of. Right. This, Tuning in to this possible, the possible human. I mean, as a psychotherapist, that's what I want. Possible work with. human. We're so exquisitely extraordinary yeah. and we're so lost in stress. <laughs> so lost in stress. It's so sad. Yeah. It is. At, well, at the same time, the potential, the hope is there that if we're so lost, it means we can maybe find our way. Being lost means maybe one day I'll find my way too. Yeah. Thank I'm you sure so much. You found you. Oh, listen, thank you. <laughs> this has been incredible. Karen, I actually genuinely appreciate this episode. My dear friends, dear family, dear skeptics, check it out. <laughs> Breathing for pregnancy, whether you're pregnant or not, get a book. I think that you're going to really appreciate it and like this this um, this publication. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you for writing, putting the endeavor in, putting the time in, even being here to to promote it and to share it with people at large, whoever's watching and whoever's appreciating this. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Radhika. Very kind. And thank you. Lovely. Dear guests, dear viewers. I hope you appreciate this episode as much as I did. Um, drop us some questions in the comment section. I'll send them over to Carolyn. Tell us what you think about the book. Give her a, a review. But more importantly, if you felt that there was something useful in this conversation, don't just bin it just because you've already heard it. Take permission here and now to re-listen to this conversation, even if it's not immediately, but bookmark it for a few months from now, a few weeks from now, so that you can re-listen to this conversation. It's packed full of meaning. It's packed, as all of our episodes are. I hope that, my hope is that these conversations bring you value, not just on, I don't know, on a momentary sensory level, but deep within in your consciousness, deep within in your thought processes as well. I hope these conversations help you and serve you. And I can't wait to see you on the next episode of A Soul's Sake. Take care, lots of love. If you love this episode, you'll love my interview with Mimi Icon on mindfulness to manifestation. Check it out. So I had this panic attack and I thought I was dying. So I go to my teacher and I'm like, I think I'm having a heart attack. Like, I'm so scared. And he's like, well, if you do, we'll call 911. This is back in Toronto. I was living in Toronto at the time. He's like, Mimi, you cannot run away from yourself. It's a panic attack, most likely. Like, now go back into meditation and sit through it and watch it. Any emotional reaction is like a storm. Like, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end.